You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack, pack, pack underscore daddy, or whatever you want it to be. I don't really care. Because today, ladies and gentlemen, if I'm not mistaken, which if I am, slightly embarrassed, episode 300, son. It's actually pretty cool, because the other benefit of doing this daily podcast, there are not... You know, th- there's a lot of Packers podcasts out there. I don't think there are very many that have cracked the 300 mark, and I'm talking about several that have been around for quite a while. Outside of uh, the Railbird Central podcast with Brian Caravu, man, I think 300 is a pretty big mile marker. Anyways, I'm happy, and we've got quite a bit of stuff, believe it or not, going on today. A lot of random stuff. Um, outside of thank yous, we've got some uh, some more user-submitted stuff going on. Super excited I decided to add that segment because we're already getting a lot of uh, a lot of play on that. We got the East-West Shrine game, which, you know, I don't know how many people care, but I'm, I want to touch on that very briefly. I don't think I'm even going to get a chance to watch that, unfortunately, but I'll try to check out some highlights after the fact. Going up to the Dells today, and if, if I've learned one thing after five-ish years of marriage, it's that you can't go on a vacation... And then when the kids get ready to go to the water park, you say, I have an idea. How about we don't go swimming, we sit on the couch and watch ESPN or NFL Network and check out the the East-West Shrine game? Huh? I mean, I don't know that for sure because I've never tried it, but I feel like that's a bad idea. So I'll probably just go swimming with the kids. Which is what I want to do, all right? Relax. Just helping other people out that maybe don't know that you can't do that. That's all I'm saying. But uh, several thank yous to get to. Things are things are really flying right now. It's it's the off season. Now, I I expect like NFL draft, Facebook group, and everything else to start to blow up. I don't really expect Packer stuff to take off, but it is. I believe I said thank you to Nico and Duncan uh, yesterday, but we've got Bill, Christopher, and Ron to thank for jumping on Patreon. And just an FYI, Ron. I love you, but if you bump that $1 up to $5, you get access to all the stuff that I've been uploading. So just think it over, if you're interested. If not, it's all good. And then another really big shout-out to Christopher, who uh, donated on Patreon. He's another 300 Club All-Star, which is something I made up yesterday. Basically, it means I'm asking $3 for the 300th episode if you haven't donated yet. But Christopher and Todd yesterday decided they're going to do $3 times a multiple. As long as it's a multiple of three, I'm going to assume that it's uh, on purpose. And I'm going to call you an all-star. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Even if it's not a multiple of three, I'm just going to say it's because of episode 300. And you're helping me celebrate. Oh, nothing like celebrating with lukewarm coffee. Goes down smooth. But really, I really do appreciate it. Every time I go on Patreon, it's like, what in the world is happening? The amount of support for the podcast is, is pretty awesome said it on Twitter the other day, but I genuinely think, even though I don't have the biggest audience, I've definitely got the best audience. There's no question about that. The amount of support is pretty crazy. I've uh, I've stalked some other people's Patreons, and it's, uh, it's not quite like my Patreon. I'm just saying. Besides that, how many people have gotten a book sent to them and a wood carving sent to them? I'm just saying, man. Your fans can't touch my fans. Even if they're the same fans, they're really just my fans, so... Anyways, preliminaries, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. There's a few other links for other ways if you'd rather not do Patreon. I had somebody reach out on Twitter and say they don't want to do Patreon, but they do want the Patreon goodies, which by the way, the Patreon goodies, $5 or more on Patreon, and you get to unlock a lot of the stuff that I've been doing on there. All the uh, podcast audio is on there, but that's free for everybody because what's the point of putting that behind a paywall? It's free anyways. But I added a couple of different uh, spreadsheets. I'm going to be adding several more as we go along. Basically, it's just anything that I do that's kind of like in-depth stuff that helps me prepare for a show, 
I'm going to throw that up on here so you can kind of see behind the scenes. So I've got the full big board with over 1,100 prospects. Um, how many players are at each position for each round? We talked about that the other day. That sheet is officially up on Patreon. And I've got a few other ideas for other things that I would like to do. One of them is going to be a really big project. If I have time, I'd like to do it this weekend. We shall see. But what I would like to do, similar to one of the questions I got, I want to look at the starters, meaning, you know, cutting out the depth. What do we got? We've got quarterback, you know, we'll say running back one, running back two, all the offensive linemen, just the starters, wide receiver one, two, three, we'll say tight end one and two, you know, basically just going through that cornerback one, two, three, defensive tackles one and two, make a list and then rank them based on other teams. So you can look at, you know, our CB2 is the 18th best CB2 in the NFL because I'm comparing our CB2 to all the other 31 CB2s on every other team. Now there's going to be some gray area and whatnot as far as who the actual number two is. Maybe some guy took over. It's just going to be a judgment call. It's not an exact science, but it's going to be a cool little reference sheet. And it's not going to be forward looking. It's going to be, you know, looking into the past, looking at what we were in 2018. I don't want to look forward because that's impossible. I don't know who's going to be on whose team. I don't know any of that, but I'm going to look back at 2018. Um, just as a little reference, and, and again, it goes to answer the question of, you know, how far are we off from other teams? Also answers probably several other questions, but it's a good reference for you just because you're probably going to have several questions about what we had and all these different kinds of things. And then I'll, I'll, what I'll probably also do for the Packers is put a name there so you know, like, RCB2, who is it? Not for the other teams because there's no way to fit that into an Excel sheet. I've just got the, you know, the X and the Y, but uh, for the Packers, so it'll be like, you know, CB1, parentheses, Jair, whatever, and then that'll be compared to all the other teams. So that's going to be my next big project. I And the, the cool thing is I want this for me, but then I get to share it also and kind of just show you guys. So anyways, that's going to be my next thing. That's the kind of stuff that I'm going to be doing, those kinds of little projects. I love doing that stuff a lot. It's a lot of fun for me. So anyway, something to think about. Uh, otherwise, to donate, check out the, uh, the description. There's Venmo, there's PayPal. Again, what I'm asking, if you haven't done it yet, on episode 300, which is today, I've been asking for a $3 donation. So if you've been thinking about it, today's the day. I'll stop bugging you after today. Think it over. Packernet.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Why do I keep doing that? Oh, I refuse to edit it because you just need to know. <laughs> you need to know the struggle. Packernet.com. That's what it is. That is our website. Very, very proud of... Uh, of the site itself, one of the most historic Packers podcasts. Or, or good, I'm done, man. I'm to have a good day. Talk to you tomorrow. Very historic website. It was, I think, like one month after Packers.com came out. Packernet.com came out. So I love being a part of it. I love the people. You're not going to get a ton of articles from us, you know. Um, Al, once in a while, shoots one out. Um, I'll do maybe a mock draft once every couple months. I've kind of just focused all my energies into the podcast. And uh, Kevin's behind the scenes doing a lot of the, the you know, you know, server maintenance type stuff or whatever. But um, it's it's a it's a great resource for you. Just like a lot of the stuff that we do, the the stuff I put on Patreon is a resource. The podcast is a resource. Uh, NFL Big Board is a resource. Packernet.com is just a resource where we pull in all the video, audio, um, all the podcasts, all the news, all into one place. So Packernet.com. Start your day there and just see what's going on around the web. NFLBigBoard.com. I mentioned. There's actually, I've been saying like 30 boards. When I put the sheet together, there's almost 40. Some of them are turned off. Um, it's getting a little glitchy. I wanted to do an update yesterday toward the end of the day, and it just it wouldn't take, and I got scared I was going to break it, so I just kind of backed off. But there is a really big update coming, um, if I can get that working today. If not, then whatever. Uh, speaking of NFL Big Board, a real big shout-out to Adam. Uh, he reached out the other day. Basically, I've been doing website stuff for years and years and years. I've been working with WordPress and, and Blogger, and, and basically, I know just enough to be dangerous. I've had dozens of websites, most of them not successful. Nobody ever saw them. I think the only other one that had traction was uh, uh, the UPFL. It was called the Unprofessional Football League. It was an NFL satire site. That was a lot of fun. But um, anyways, the point is, though, I'm not... I'm not super great at uh at web design type stuff or web developer i know just enough to be dangerous i know how to get in there set it up and break it that's all i know how to do 
So I've done a decent amount of damage to NFL Big Board. <laughs> and it's, it, you know, if you noticed, I think yesterday I just got it up and running again. It completely shut down on me. I finally figured out what the problem was there, but it's really slow and it's getting kind of sluggish. So Adam was, was awesome enough to get in there and um, he didn't ask for anything. He just jumped in, kind of cleaned a few things up, fixed one of the big issues I've been trying to get fixed for a long time. He jumped in, did it in like 30 seconds. And um, so he's he's helping me work through that. So Adam, I really appreciate that, man. I'm trying to think of a way to repay you, and I don't know what that is yet, but we'll figure it out. But yeah, NFLBigBoard.com aggregates a bunch of boards from around the NFL so you can see where everybody ranks. And uh, it's just, a, again, it's a really, really good tool. And um, the other thing that I've got as soon as I can get this next one uploaded, we've got, what is it, like four, five, six, seven different quarterback um, scouting reports, internal, not external links to the Draft Network. Uh, that's that's my partnership with Mr. Mark, but uh, I'm pretty excited about that to have our own scouting reports on there. So anyways, let's get this day started. I want to start briefly with the East-West Shrine game. Again, I know probably not a ton of people are interested, but there's not a whole lot going on. we got uh, playoff football tomorrow. Um, and as far as the draft is concerned, this is, I mean, this is like the big, th- there's only a couple milestones left, right? All the college football is done. You got the East-West Shrine game today. I think the 29th is the Senior Bowl. We've got the Combine. That's pretty much it, man. I, I don't know what else there is other than uh, off the field stuff where people do dumb stuff and hurt their draft stock. That's about it. So it's, it's somewhat of a big thing, not a huge amount of big names, but I just want to highlight a couple. If you have uh, NFL Network, at, I believe, 2 o'clock. You can check out the East-West Shrine game. And it's always a little more fun if you know a couple names. So I just want to run through mostly the uh, guys that the, maybe what the Packers might be interested in. But obviously we got to do quarterbacks just because, I mean, it's it's and it's and we're talking football. So uh, Jordan Tayamu, he's on the East team. None of these guys are, well, I shouldn't say none of them are pretty good. Some of them are actually very good. Not on the West team, though, or the East. What team is this? What did I just say? The East, East roster. But um, I think Te'amu is, is mostly well-known because he has three wide receivers at Ole Miss that are very, very talented. But I just know his name because every time you go to scout either of those three guys, all you hear the whole time is, Te'amu! Te'amu! It's very annoying. Um, but on the other side of the ball, the West roster, Brett Ripien is... Uh, a lot of these guys are rising up the board really fast, and I love it because this was not supposed to be a strong quarterback class. Suddenly, there's a bunch of guys. Uh, Dwayne Haskins has already absolutely launched himself into the first round. Daniel Jones out of the, out of Duke. Um, as far as the scouting reports that I use, um, his favorite quarterback, I believe, is Daniel Jones. I'm pretty sure he's going to be in the first round before long. Uh, Will Greer is right on the cusp. He's kind of in that range. Drew Locke is in that range. Um, you look at Kyler Murray just got added. Now, he's way outside. He's he's at the end of the third round, but he's probably going to go flying up the board. I think it's just kind of a relative unknown with him, and is he going to be in, is he going to be out, all this stuff. But uh, Brett Ripien, he's flying up the boards. He jumped up nine spots. He's at 119 overall, so he's still got a ways to go. But a lot of these guys are starting to turn heads. They're almost all moving up. Uh, Drew Locke is going up the board. Ryan Finley's going up the board. Kyler Murray's new to the board. Brett Ripien's going up the board. Um, Jared Stidham, Shea Patterson, and Brian Lewerke are flying down the board. But those top guys are really going to be pushing their way up. And I'm primarily looking at uh, Daniel Jones trying to break in, possibly, you know, Drew Locke, Ryan. I mean, just give me one or two of these guys to break into the first because if we can have Dwayne Haskins and Daniel Jones before pick 12, which is a pretty big jump for Daniel Jones, but we'll see. That's going to be awesome for us at pick 12. But then at pick 30, you know, 30, 31, 32, whatever we end up getting, if we could get, obviously, Daniel Jones, but also maybe Will Greer, Drew Locke, Ryan Finley, Kyle Murray, Brett Ripien, any, all, some, kind of, I don't know, there's not that many teams that need quarterbacks, but if we could just get a couple of these guys in there, we're pushing more talent back to 32. So um, watching a guy like Brett Ripien have a really good day, at this game is going to be important because that's the kind of stuff that propels a guy. I mean, we're, we're talking late third, but nobody cares. If you absolutely destroy this East-West Shrine game, like if you just really stand out, you could easily be jumped up to, you know, top of the second round, which if you're top of the second round value, anybody looking for a quarterback at the end of the first is going to reach because why wouldn't you? You're not going to get him in the second because you're picking at the back of the second and nobody cares if you're reaching on a quarterback because that's what you're supposed to do if you don't have one. Everybody does it. Just go ahead and do it. 
Stop pretending you care about value. You need a quarterback, and you're going to reach. We already know, man. It's okay. Uh, switching over to wide receiver, some guys to watch. Um, as far as I'm on the wrong thing here. And, and, you know, understand any one of these guys that has a big day is somebody to pay attention to because even if they're not highly regarded, if, you know, Terry Godwin has a phenomenal day, well, I've got him rated at 256, which we're basically talking about an undrafted free agent. He's dropped 15 spots since my last update. But if he has a really big day, I mean, we could be talking about a, a fourth, fifth round, whatever. So, I mean, who knows? What Anybody that stands out is worth looking at. But as far as uh, big names that um, stand out that are relatively early round guys, we'll call it first three rounds or so, Demarcus Lodge out of Mississippi or Ole Miss. I, I, put, I don't know why I don't just put Ole Miss on here. Technically, it is Mississippi. But Demarcus Lodge, um, one of the lesser-known Mississippi guys. DK Metcalf is a top dog there. A.J. Brown, also very popular. But uh, Demarcus Lodge is also another guy that's that's really, really top of the top of the line. So keep an eye on him. He's playing with his quarterback, Jordan Te'amu. Otherwise, mostly a lot of late-round guys, Keyshawn Johnson, whatnot, whatnot. As far as tight ends, not a whole lot of uh, early-round guys. Actually, none. There's a whole lot of relatively unknown tight end so anybody stands out awesome but um there's no real big name prospects to watch as far as tight end uh nothing really at guard as far as tackle um not super early but some bigger names that you've probably heard before Tyree St. Louis offensive tackle out of Miami he's he's dropping like a rock um he dropped 89 spots since my last uh since my last update he was one of the biggest fallers on my list last time Another name, Martez Ivy. This guy actually was considered a second round, possibly late first round pick in twenty in the twenty eighteen draft. He decided to go back to school. Early on in this process, he was back up to that same spot. Now he's sitting at one thirty eight overall. Now he's moved up. He's jumped twenty one spots, but not a lot of love for Martez Ivy. His draft stock got hurt quite a bit. But um, offensive tackle out of Florida, he's somebody to keep an eye on. Obviously, he had some talent at some point in his life where people really liked him, but this last, this past year, everybody just thought this guy's not very good. But again, have a good performance at the East-West Shrine game. That can all change. A couple of what they call defensive line prospects, but uh, edge rusher Jordan Brailford out of Oklahoma State. I got him sitting at 150 overall, which isn't super early, but that's fine because we need a deep dive on edge rushers, and I don't care if we get him in the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. I don't really care. We just got to get him. So keep an eye on Mr. Jordan Brailford out of Oklahoma State. He's playing on the East roster. Lastly, of interest, uh, Lucas Dennis, Boston College safety. I've got him listed as a free safety because that's what he played at Boston College. I know a lot of people are saying he's going to be a strong safety, whatever. But uh, for a team that needs safeties, we're looking at a guy, probably a third-round prospect, which isn't the worst time to pick one up, especially in a very weak safety class, especially when we have other needs that are probably going to be satisfied, edge rusher, et cetera, et cetera. So... Lucas Dennis is kind of a, an, an interesting target, but that's about it. It's not a, uh, you know, there's not a lot of top-tier talent. I don't think there's a single first-round prospect on here, but this is this is kind of, you know, the, the, the big boards are all going to shift, and they're going to start moving very, very quickly, very rapidly, very dramatically. If you look at, uh, I had Logan send me a, uh, a mock draft that Daniel Jeremiah did, and it was just goofy. Now, I, I mentioned the interesting thing is a lot of this is probably true. Some guys that you'd never expect to be first-round picks, they, they probably will draft up that high because that's how crazy. St- some of his picks were ridiculous, but it's it's kind of the cool thing about it. You get these East-West Shrine games. The narratives start to change dramatically. You got guys like Jeremiah and everybody else jumping up saying, I knew the whole time, and they start talking about, I always liked him, and then it turns out he's never that good anyways, and I don't know. It's just it's fun. I enjoy it. But that's enough draft talk for today. So I've actually got uh, two things. I got a text message and I got a voicemail. I want to start with the text that I got from uh, Chris out of Phoenix, hanging out with the Scorpions. Well done. Holding it down. Fight the good fight, sir. Don't, don't let them get you. I like how he's just playing into my like horror version of what Arizona's like. Like Everywhere you go, you're just trying not to step on Scorpions. That's just <laughs> that's my picture of what it is. Because I had an aunt that lived down there for several years, and she told me how she found, like, a scorpion in her shoe one day. And ever since then, it's like, nope, never going there, ever, ever in my life. Anyways, first of all, Chris, thank you for the very kind words. I'm not going to read it, because then people will think that you didn't send it. I wrote this, but thank you very much for that. Here's the question. The question I am not hearing anyone talk about is Nico Siragusa. We signed off the Ravens practice squad. Still on our team, or is he a free agent? 
If he is coming back next year, do you think he has any chance to help us? Everybody keeps talking about Justin McCray, Lane Taylor, and no other options. I just don't hear anything on him. Thanks. Chris, out of Phoenix, Arizona, with the Scorpions. So as to your first question, yes, he is still currently a Green Bay Packer. His contract does run through 2019. That doesn't necessarily mean he's still going to be on the team, but what it means is when the season begins, he's going to have the opportunity to compete with everybody else. So Lane Taylor, Lucas Patrick, Justin McCray, Adam Pankey, Nico Saragossa, these guys are all going to battle it out. Interestingly enough, however, uh, the free agents we have, Byron Bell, Justin McCray, Adam Pankey, they're all free agents this year. Lucas Patrick also is a free agent this year. Now, that, that's not to say we can't re-sign pretty much all these guys and let Siragusa walk. But what it does mean is we have a 24-year-old guy who's going into his second year in Nico Siragusa with, obviously, potential. We picked him up. We might as well try to develop him. Now, maybe we just picked him up because we were so depleted. It was like, whatever, we need a body. Let's just go get him. And then when time rolls around, he's trash compared to the guys we have. It's possible. But I, if I had to put money down, I would say he will be on the team as a depth guy regardless of what we end up doing in the draft, whether we draft somebody or not. If we don't, then I would definitely expect him to be on the team. Just because, again, we don't have a whole lot of talent. Byron Bell, I would assume, is not coming back. He's 30 years old. He's not very good. Why are we going to sign him to another contract? Now, the other guys, Justin McRae is 27, Lucas Patrick's 26, Adam Pankey's 25. Justin McRae is probably going to stay around because I would assume he's going to be cheap. I guess I don't know that. If he wants big money, I don't want to pay him. But just having a reliable guy that we know can play guard, we know can play tackle, not very well, but it's, it's nice, considering our situation, to be able to keep Justin McRae. As far as Lucas Patrick and Adam Pankey, I don't know. I don't really care. But um, as far as his potential, it's really hard to say because the guy's never played a regular season snap in his life. Now, this, so we're clear, though, fourth-round draft pick in the 2017 draft. So there's definitely talent here. Six foot four, 320 pounds. Again, only 24 years old. So definite development potential. We're going to be getting our new offensive line staff, offensive line coach, offensive line whatever to be able to work with him, develop him, and assess him. But let me just tell you what Pro Football Focus had to say about him in the preseason. Now, it's just preseason, so none of this really matters. But essentially what we have is a guy that's a very good pass blocker and a terrible run blocker. Now, we'll see what happens. But just seeing how good of a pass blocker he was, and yeah, limited snaps. Yes, it's preseason. He's probably going with uh, third-string guys because he's not even a starter. But is there something to work with? Absolutely. The, the last three games he played, preseasons uh, week uh, two, three, and four, he graded out as very good. His last three games he played, he graded out as very good in pass blocking. Again, against lesser competition, uh, you know, 25 snaps, 31 snaps, and then uh, week four, 51, because, you know, that's when the lesser-known guys really get to stand out. But he, he held his own. That was actually his best game. In fact, he got better every single week, 82.6, 83, and then 84.5. Now, if he can develop in his run game, because again, we're going to be emphasizing that. Lafleur wants to emphasize, I mean, pass blocking, even with Lafleur and all these guys is going to be the most important thing, but they want to emphasize and stress and practice run blocking. So that's going to be another assessment that we're not really sure because we don't know how many of these guys are not very good run blockers because we didn't stress it and how many of these guys aren't very good run blockers because they just can't do it. So we're going to see how they, what they expect of our offensive line as far as pass blocking, run blocking, mobility, all these kinds of things. There's going to be different standards. But you're going to have Lafleur, you're going to have Hackett, you're going to have all these guys with their understanding of what the expectations are, and we're going to see what these guys can do. But again, a fourth-round pick in 2017 that's 24 years old that is under contract for basically free money yeah, I, I expect him to be on the team. Contribute? I eh. Let me just say I hope not. I, I shouldn't say that. If, if he's playing over McRae, you have to assume that he's relatively decent. I guess the reason I'm saying I hope not is because my hope is that we go out in free agency or in the draft and get somebody that's kind of a stud. And if Nico Siragusa is playing, pretty unlikely that we've done that. But uh, anyways, hopefully that answered your question. Thank you a lot for reaching out. By the way, I uh, forgot to list it here. If you have a question, or if you'd like to call in for the What Grinds My Gears, or you know, leave a comment, whatever the question may be, comment may be 608-501-0718, 608-501-0718. So here we go, our second ever What Grinds My Gears segment. Hey, Pack Daddy, this is Kyle from Kansas. I just want to say what really grinds my gears is everybody blaming everything on Aaron Rodgers. This is my problem with it all. Here's just a list I made of people that, have been released, traded, or somehow just disappeared from the Packers. T.J. Lane, 
Casey Hayward, Micah Hyde, Jared Cook, Jordy Nelson, J.C. Treader, Morgan Burnett, Charles Woodson, HaHa Clint Dix, Josh Sitton, and Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, I know, he's just a gadget guy, but I think we could have used him as punt return and kick returner this year. Uh, possibly Randall Cobb this year. Everything Aaron Rodgers wants, we get rid of, whether it's Jordy Nelson, Jared Cook, Probably Cobb. These are all his buddies, and everybody wants to get rid of him. Now, I don't know if that hurts everything, but it sure doesn't help when he's got all these rookie guys. In my opinion, he's been underpaid for a lot of years, and even now he's underpaid for the franchise is not giving him anything uh, for his production. I mean, they're they're taking away guys. I mean, that's like 11 guys. Have we replaced 11 guys with those guys? I don't think so. So that's my opinion. Anyway, go back, go. So obviously he's absolutely right. And I've kind of been alluding to this over the last few months, but I don't know that I've said it directly what the way he said it. But the fact of the matter is we have been whittled down to nothing. We used to have a very strong offensive line. We let our offensive line go. We used to have a, a massive, so many wide receivers, we can go five wide, and our fifth best wide receiver is better than a lot of number twos. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. We've had talented tight ends. We've had talented corners. We've had talented safeties. We've had talent everywhere, and we're getting to the point now where we just don't have very much left, and even in positions where we do have strength, we have no depth whatsoever. We don't have a backup center. We don't have a backup tackle. We don't have three good corners. We don't have any safeties. We don't have any depth at linebacker, even if you like Blake and Jake, etc., etc. Now, the one caveat here, obviously, is that every team goes through this. Everybody has to lose players over time, so you can't really get upset about that. But it's a game of replacements, man, and it was up to guys like Ted Thompson to make sure, whether it's through the draft or free agency, that when guys leave, we have new guys ready to step up, and that's where things really started to go south and why we're in the, the bind we're in. And he's right, it's not Aaron Rodgers. Now, are there some issues? Yeah, and I don't know what that is. I don't know what's going on with the Aaron passes and all this stuff. But yes, the, the fact of the matter is you can only drag a team so far, and when you have all these people that he listed leaving and nobody coming in to replace him, he, he tried but he failed. He tried to bring in corners every single year, and he couldn't get us one. He's brought in offensive linemen. None of them are any good. I mentioned yesterday he brought in the most ridiculous free agents that just don't make any sense. Guys that are just, I mean, at best you're going to get a mediocre season out of them. His draft picks have been terrible, and they're mostly on their way out right now. We saw Gutekunst go ahead and purge most of his, his most recent draft picks because it's like, they're just not good, man. It's just not a fit. It's not going to work. They're is there's nothing here. So yeah, just just imagine a team that's on top that essentially isn't drafting for three years. You don't pick up key pieces in free agency, and you don't draft, and then you just look, look at Aaron Rodgers and say, all right, man, do what you can do. By the way, every single year, we're going to purge about three or four key players, and we're going to replace zero of them. Every team collapses under that. The teams that are on top right now are ones that have hit massively in either the draft and or free agency. Right, the Bears, if you look at they've they've hit on several key pieces. Their new head coach was a, a massive upgrade and addition. You know, the guys like Eddie Jackson and, and Amos at safety, uh key free agent acquisitions like Amukamura and uh Khalil Mack, as well as the development that was there thanks to Vic Fangio, it all just kinda came together. But everything is going up. You look at the Eagles, they went out and just got a ton of free agents. Every single one of them is a stud. Every single one of them helped contribute to that dominant defense, and they went on to win a Super Bowl. The Jaguars did something similar. They also went in, got a bunch of free agents, mostly defense, and those guys went out and dominated and nearly won a Super Bowl. The Rams struck gold when they got McVay. They went out and got a bunch of key free agent wide receivers. They were able to develop Goff, who's a young new addi addition. They've got a young new running back. Obviously, Aaron Donald is a stud. They went and got Aaron or, uh, Indomitian Sue to put next to him. I mean, they, they drafted well. They got some some impressive coaching changes and then just went absolutely insane in free agency. And the, the good news is we're talking about terrible teams who made a couple tweaks and really turned stuff around, and not one of these guys has Aaron Rodgers. So we've done the coaching change, and we'll see how that pans out. We've got a new offensive coordinator. We've got that. If, the, if we can do similar to what the Rams did, 
what uh, the Jaguars did for that one year, what the Bears have done, what a lot of teams have done just by changing scheme and how that helps the offense. And then in addition to that, get a couple of solid key draft picks. You don't need a billion. I mean, name to me the, the top Rams acquisition in the draft the last couple of years. I mean, you, you think about their, their top guys. It's not anybody they drafted the last year or two. There's free agents, and then there's guys that were from three, four years ago or whatever. We don't have to knock it completely out of the park, and, and Gutekunst has to draft you know, eight guys, and they all have to be Pro Bowl caliber players. That's not how this works. We need development from the guys we have. We need Jair to take a step. We need uh, Josh Jackson to take a step. I would really like Josh Jones to continue to take a step. He took a very small step. I'd like to see a bigger one. Bashad Breland, I want to see him step up. Kevin King, I want to see him step up. You know, get this run game going, get the pass game going, see some of these wide receivers step up and get some development out of them. Just give me one that can be a number two. Let's see something out of these tight ends. Again, I don't think that the problem necessarily is the tight ends. Yeah, they're getting old and over the hill, but this was such a massive drop-off. It's un- It was unnecessarily steep. The, the drop-off, if you look at the consistent play of a guy like Jimmy Graham and then the massive drop-off this year, there's something more there than just, oh, he's a year older. I don't buy that. Same with Mercedes Lewis. He was the number one blocking tight end 2017. 2018, he comes here. He doesn't even get on the field. We didn't even know how to use him. We used him like once in a game, and it was as a receiver. Like, what are you doing? Is that really why we brought him here? I'm starting to wonder why we did. So, again, the development of the guys we have... The development of the young talent, the older talent, a change of the scheme, and then in free agency, go get key pieces. Again, I'm, I'm so tired of the Ted Thompson, let's get four or five guys that are 33 years old that have never really been that good, or maybe they were good four years ago. They're just going to kind of fill in a spot, don't really do very much. I'm, I'm over it, man. Go get one or two really big key pieces. Dump the guys that aren't working. Recoup the money. Go out and get some guys that are really going to make a difference. Guys like Antonio Brown, again, I, I don't think we're going to get him because of his character concerns, and I understand that, but a guy like Antonio Brown is transformative. Un- the, the growth of this team with a guy like that, and I'm saying like that because I'm talking about just that category, where a guy that's so good, Devontae Adams, who is a top 10 receiver, becomes our number two wide receiver on this team. So we end up with, and, and, and Devontae is going to be even better as the number two because what do you even do in that situation but you have Antonio Brown who is very likely the number one wide receiver in the NFL and then you have Devontae that's what the fifth best wide receiver Aaron Rodgers who's the first or second best quarterback in the NFL this this year with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams running on a team now that emphasizes the run when every and and nobody is going to try to stop the run that was the interesting thing that I was thinking about if if we change our thought process Essentially what happens is we start running more, we emphasize it more, we commit to it, teams have to start buying into it, which means, here's what I believe would happen, let's set Antonio Brown aside and say that that doesn't happen, let's just look at the team as it is, what happens is we emphasize it more, teams have to take it seriously. The way the teams play us right now is they say, I don't care, run all you want, we're playing a press man against your 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 wide receivers and you're never going to be able to get off we know how Mike McCarthy plays, you just have to beat us and we're not going to let you beat us because you're just not that good. Aaron Rodgers has to throw perfect throws at perfect times, and you guys aren't exactly on sync. You and Devontae are going to catch a a couple of them, but it just doesn't matter. We change that. We commit to the run. Teams now have to start addressing the run. So what I think happens to a guy like Aaron Jones is his his total yardage might go up, but I think his yards per carry go down because they're going to start queuing up on him a little bit. He's not going to be getting all these crazy amount of yards per carry because they're not going to be in their, their dime defense 24 hours a day. The good news about that is, though, now that they're backing off, Aaron Rodgers can breathe a little bit and start start distributing the ball a little better, kind of like he used to, which would have been an easy tweak for McCarthy to do, but he just didn't do it. But now imagine if you did bring a guy like Antonio Brown. Again, I'm not fighting for Antonio Brown anymore. I'm just, I'm just giving you an example. What do you do as a defense? This is an offense now that is committed to running, and we will run, and we're very good at it. Imagine Aaron Jones, as good as he is, with his yards per carry, his explosion, the amount of times he can gash you for 12, 13, 14, 15 yards. And then you get him behind an improved offensive line that is that is training and committed to running the football, and now he's doing that more regularly. He's getting five yards per carry. What are you going to do? Are you seriously going to play base defense and try to stop the run with Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Antonio Brown? You can't win. 
You cannot win this game. There's nothing you can do. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about, and that's why I would rather have one big name Antonio Brown than four, um, you know, four Jari Evans. Evans is, and I, I don't mean to trash Jari. I thought he was a, a good football player, and he he had a role. But I'm just that's the kind of stuff where it's like that didn't transform anything. Ulrich John, are you kidding me? Why did you pick up Ulrich John? What was the point of that? Quentin Dial, why? He was never good anywhere ever. Why? Ahmad Brooks. It, okay, Chris Odom. I mean, these are guys that we went out and got that Ted Thompson acquired to try to help. Not one of them helped. Devon House, are you serious? Did anybody actually think Devon House was going to do anything here? I'm just, I'm beyond tired of it, man. I'm so over it. Keep all those guys. Go get me one Antonio Brown. Just get me one. I don't care who it is. The, the Antonio Browns, the Khalil Max, the, the Earl Thomases. Those are the guys I want. Because these are the guys that can put you over the edge. Look at the Rams. You think they're messing around? The teams that are winning are the teams that are going all in. And it's up to Gutekunst to recognize whether this is an all-in time or not. Are we there yet? Maybe we're not quite there yet. And you start locking up a bunch of money in guys like the Antonio Browns or Earl Thomases, and you do it a little bit too early. Maybe you're risking it, but at some point we got to push. And I, I mean push. Actually act like you care and want to try to win something. Ulrich John isn't going to win you anything. You have to know that. You have to know that there's there's no no possible way that he comes over here and improves anything. I I just as soon play Adam Pankey at tackle if something goes wrong. What what is the benefit of an Ulrich John? And again, Jari Evans fine. That makes sense. He's super cheap. He's a, you know, perennial pro bowl guy. Obviously not as good as he used to be, but he can come in and play and he was better than McCray and I I'll take Jari Evans any day of the week. Of course, the funny thing is we end up keeping guys like Devon House and getting rid of Ulrich John, or excuse me, Jari Evans. Like, the the one guy that actually came in and, like, played a role and started and was somewhat decent, eh, we'll let him go. Well, whatever, okay. But we've got to start this process, and the process comes primarily through the draft and primarily, primarily through development because, you know, again, if you draft guys their rookie year, you're maybe going to get one that steps up and is pretty awesome. If you're lucky, you get two or three. The point is, though, after two years there's a jump after three years there's a jump so then you've got guys from three years ago that are really starting to come on and be starters well guys from three years ago aren't even on the team anymore and guys from two years ago are are starting to you know whatever you got to have that constant replacement going on you got your rookies you got maybe one of them that pans out and then you got guys from last year maybe two or three of those guys take a leap and then from two from two years ago you've got two additional guys that weren't very good the last two years but they needed that third year so every year you've got five, six, seven guys that are stepping up and ready to take over so that when i got to get rid of three or four guys, it's fine because I've got their replacement ready to rock and roll. He's better anyways. That's how this is supposed to work, but it's not what the Packers have been able to do. Ted Thompson has been missing over and over and over, and again, he doesn't take free agency seriously. He'd rather dump more guys and lose in free agency so he can go out and get his ridiculous compensatory picks because, again, as I said, the only way to get those is to lose in free agency. Give up more value than you bring on so that he can get more guys in the draft, which makes sense if you're, a good, if you're good at drafting and your team is really good at developing. But he wasn't good at drafting, and we weren't good at developing. So we're giving up talent, bringing on nobody because we want to get compensatory picks. And if we get guys that are too good, well, then we're not going to get compensatory picks. So then we draft guys that aren't good, and we have coaches that can't develop them, and it was just a complete loss all around. We lost in free agency. We added nothing in the draft. So to your original point, yes, blaming Aaron Rodgers for the downfall of this team is ridiculous. He is, you know, according to Pro Football Focus, I think the second best player on this team. It's Kenny Clark, or yeah, I think Kenny Clark, then Aaron Rodgers, then Devontae, I think is how they have him graded. And you can dispute that all you want. That's fine. The fact of the matter is he's still a good quarterback. All right, so lastly, I just want to kind of dip back into the uh, the coaches because there's a lot of stuff that's been kind of going on and um, some of it more rumors, some of it more solid. So I just kind of want to go through each of these and, and just kind of see where we're at. So just for the sake of me doing what I like to do, I just want to start at the top. Obviously, Mr. LaFleur is our head coach. Um, offensive coordinator Joe Philbin is officially out. Nathaniel Hackett is in. We already talked about him. Jacksonville Jaguars offensive coordinator. Um, we did lose Frank Signetti, 
I don't want to say lose like somebody took him. Lose as in we decided we don't want him, which makes sense. I don't think he contributed very much of anything. There's some talk about whether or not they're even going to bring on a quarterback's coach. I know several people have talked about too many cooks in the kitchen, etc., etc. But I, I, I don't know. In my opinion, with a even a minor change in scheme, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world. Just because, you know, I know LaFleur's got quarterback coaching experience, and so does Hackett. But I don't really want either of these guys spending all their time with Rodgers because Signetti, excuse me, Hackett has a job and it's about the entirety of the offense and not even just so much coaching. I mean, you've got assistant coaches that can help with the coaching. You've got game planning and and all this different stuff to do. How much time are you going to dedicate to Aaron Rodgers and making sure that he's up to snuff as far as how to operate within this new kind of a system? Because all these little wrinkles, you need... There's so much that needs to change. And obviously Aaron Rodgers is very intelligent, and you can have the offensive coordinator and the head coach try to help with those things. Maybe if it's somewhat of a minor tweak, fine. But I I feel like it would be nice to get somebody that's familiar with this whole Shanahan, the new modern West Coast stuff, just to kind of make sure Aaron Rodgers understands the, the nuances. Somebody that can just sit and watch him. I mean, him and the other quarterbacks, obviously, to get them up to speed with, look, these these are the changes, and this is how you need to change. These are the things you need to do differently. Here's what you need to be watching for. Here's why we do this. You know, understanding even, you know, checks, you know, with this new offense, like, you know, this this is what we're doing, and this is why we're doing it to try to manipulate this. If you see this, you can change to this, because, you know what I mean? It's, it's all different. It's kind of the same, but it's all different. He's been running Mike McCarthy's offense for a long time. This is different. So I, I, I don't know. If they decide not to bring on a quarterback coach, fine. But I would prefer that they did just because I would like to have somebody dedicated to Rodgers and Kaiser and the quarterbacks that are there. Somebody should be doing it, and I don't want the offensive coordinator or the head coach dedicating all their time to coaching a quarterback because they have a much bigger and broader job to do. Uh, we did we did retain Ben Sermons, our running back coach, which, you know, it's hard to argue with that. Again, what we're talking about, what I want from coaches is development. And when you look at Aaron Rod, or excuse me, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams even, and you see that these are later round guys and the production that we've gotten out of them, especially Aaron Jones, is very, very impressive. So maybe it's all Aaron Jones just doing it himself and it has nothing to do with the running back coach, but you know what? You're still staying. It, you know, it, that, that's, that's just what happens sometimes, I guess. But the fact of the matter is I expect these guys to produce. And if they're producing, I don't have a problem with you. Uh, wide receivers coach David Rye is officially out. There's a lot of differences going on there, but there was some talk, and I don't know, you know, a lot of rumors. I don't know what's true and what's not, but supposedly Aaron Rodgers really, 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 really did not like David Rye. Beyond that, you know, it's it's tough to say whether development was working or not um, because these were later round guys, but there was definitely a communication breakdown. These guys were not doing what they needed to do. Aaron Rodgers was not able to get them to understand and communicate. Obviously there was that big blow up in practice where it's like, look, this is really simple. Should not have been too hard for you to figure this out. Again, maybe that's on the wide receivers. Maybe it's not, but again, it's, it's Rye's job to make sure that these guys are up to speed and they're just, they weren't. So he's on his way to go work with Cliff Kingsbury. Um, the Texas Tech guy out in Arizona. Uh, there's some talk that we might go out and get Luke Getze. I mean, I I don't care. I don't hate that, I guess. I think the Packers have had a lot of success with wide receivers up to this point, which again, a lot of it has to do with really good guys going bye-bye and really young late-round guys coming in and not being super great. So this this might not have anything to do with coaches, but bring in an old guy who's familiar with, well, probably pretty much just Devonte at this point. But if the assessment is that Luke Getze did a really good job, yeah, why not? You know, he, he went to, uh, after the 2017 season, he went to Mississippi State to be their offensive coordinator slash wide receiver coach. So presumably he's trying to, as we talk about, you kind of weasel your way up or weasels probably, that's not, has negative connotations, but you know, you kind of take a step back into college, but you get a promotion to offensive coordinator and you prove you can be an offensive coordinator. Then you get an offensive coordinator job with some garbage NFL team like the or the, the Rams, the Bills, and you just kind of work your way like that. But um, you know, maybe if that isn't working out too well, we can bring him back. He now has offensive coordinator experience. He's got experience with the Packers and the wide receivers and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, being 
primarily in the West Coast system, a different kind of West Coast, but whatever. It comes down to development and can he develop guys, and I don't know. I don't exactly know where the rumors came from, if it's these guys really like Getze, or if it was just straight-up speculation. I have no idea. But uh, the the one interesting thing, though, you might remember, there were all kinds of, like, highlights with the wide receivers, like, doing goofy stuff. Remember they were, like, catching bricks and tennis balls and stuff? Maybe that was all just dumb, flashy nonsense. But it's still, it's it's outside-the-box, creative-type stuff. And when you have young, creative, outside-the-box thinking coaches, it kind of kind of fits what they're trying to do, right? He's he's obviously got aspirations. He He went to go be an offensive coordinator. He wants to grow. He wants to learn. He wants to improve. It makes sense. Uh, we did retain our tight ends coach. I don't know how to say his name. Brian Angelicchio. That's how you would say it phonetically. I don't know how you actually say it. But uh, we're keeping him. That one's a little bit surprising. I will say that it's it's possible that this isn't even about production, but it's more just about if you've been with the Packers for more than three years, uh, you go bye-bye because you're considered you know kind of the old guard and all the young guys get to stay. I, I don't really know. But um, yeah, the production from the tight ends was horrible. So it's a little surprising that uh, Brian Angelicchio is staying on the staff. But at the end of the day, he sat down with the coaching staff and with the GM and whoever else decided they wanted to be a part of it. Maybe he never talked to the GM. I don't know. I don't care. But uh, there was there was a common understanding, and he must have had some kind of good excuse for why the tight ends are terrible. I don't, I don't know. Uh, offensive line. We did lose James Campen. We brought in Adam Stenovich. That is uh, one of the big news items of the day. So it's, it's cool for a couple different reasons. Number one, he's a Marshfield, Wisconsin resident, so he's he's from Wisconsin. He actually played for the Green Bay Packers in 2006 and 2007, which is kind of cool. And uh, now he's back in Green Bay. So I, you, you kind of get the feeling like he's one of those guys who's kind of a homebody. You know, every once in a while you get those guys that just want to go back, whether it's to their old college alma mater or whatever it is, but... You know, he grew up in Wisconsin, he played for the Packers, and now he accepted a job to go be the Packers offensive line coach. But it's also a promotion, because he was assistant offensive line for the 49ers. Before that, he was offensive line coach at San Jose State, then Northern Arizona. So he's he's working his way up, and now this is now officially, which is a really cool thing, to, to finally get to be an offensive line coach, and it's for the Green Bay Packers. So that's pretty cool. Um, obviously, the the Packers really, really want... The 49ers guys. I mean, they, they've been they reaching out to the passing game coordinator, the run game coordinator. They tried to get the offensive line coach, and he wasn't interested. So they go to the assistant offensive line coach, and then finally Shanahan's like, "Fine, you can talk to our assistant offensive line coach," and we hired him, which is pretty shocking and kind of makes me a little bit nervous. Like we're just so desperate, kind of like the whole McVeigh thing that everybody's talking about that isn't actually correct, but. Like, anybody that's even talked to McVeigh, you know, his, his barista's getting a job offer. Ha, ha, ha. It does make me a little bit nervous that we're just trying to get anybody. But, the, you know, the important thing is he understands, and I've been saying this, they're really, really, really going to emphasize this run game. The way the offensive line works does seem to be a very big priority. He got his offensive line or his offensive coordinator from wherever, right? It's just kind of like, I just want the best guy. And all these guys he's hiring just, you know, it's... We just want the best of the best, and we'll keep you, we'll get rid of you, we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this. But as far as the run game, as far as offensive line coach, he was banging on the door of the 49ers. He didn't want to look anywhere else. Because it's super, super, super important that we get somebody in here that understands the Shanahan style of running the football. This is where LaFleur learned how to run the football. It was under Shanahan, both Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan. You know, these, these guys, the way that their offensive line works, the importance of the offensive line. I mean, you, you just get this feeling that it is super important to him. Not that, again, he understands that passing the football is the most important thing, but the ability to run the ball, the ability to play physical offense is super. It, again, you just get that feeling, and he's very particular about how we're going to do things. So he'd rather get, rather than some veteran big-shot offensive lineman who's been doing it for a long time, he'll take the assistant offensive line coach from a team that knows the way, the way it's supposed to be done, doing it the right way. So yeah, he, he probably called the guy in. He had a conversation. He wanted to run through the offensive line, make sure that he understands everything. Right? You explain to me how we're doing this. And he knew it. You know, top to bottom, maybe there's a couple things, whatever, that he needs to work on. But he needs to be able to trust that the guy that he's putting his, that's going to be coaching and teaching up his offensive line understands the way it's done. 
and he made sure that he got that guy. So it's it's definitely interesting that we did decide to hi- decide to hire Adam Stenovich. And hopefully it pans out because that 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 could be one of those defining things. If if you're I mean you're you base your offense on certain things working. And obviously Mike McCarthy had a way that things were supposed to be done. You listen to Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers talk about we got to get deep passes. We got to get the deep shot. We, because that's how the offense was built. So they're trying to force things that just aren't working to work because that's just how our offense operates. If LaFleur bases an offense, and, and that's similar to what happened in Tennessee, a massive component of their offense was the tight end who was injured after about five seconds in the 2018 season, not to mention his quarterback being numb from the neck down, basically. But if he comes in here and the emphasis is going to be getting this offensive line up to snuff and, and making sure that we can run the ball effectively, if, if, if we can't, we could be in a little bit of trouble, depending on how flexible he can be to get in there and say, okay, scrap it, go in new plan here. But you, I, again, I, I get the impression that this is going to be a cornerstone of the Green Bay Packers offense is running the ball effectively. And it uh, better work. <laughs> and again, that's why I, I genuinely believe, assuming LaFleur and Gutekunst are on the same page about the importance of what he needs and how we're going to get this thing going, I would expect, whether it's free agency and or the draft, offensive line is going to be a little bit more of an emphasis. As I've said, the, the, the first three picks that kind of make sense based on need and based on you know how many players are available at each, each position, edge rusher with our first pick, offensive tackle with our second pick, tight end with our, our third pick makes a lot of sense. Now we'll see about that third pick if we decide, you know what, I really, I mean, we, we kept our tight ends coach, so maybe they're thinking he did a good job and if we get this new scheme, everything will work, maybe we're good, man. Maybe we'll just keep the guys we got. Maybe we'll keep... Mercedes Lewis and, and work him with Hackett because he's got that experience and try to revive what he did in Jacksonville. And then again, we're going to get uh, we're, we're going to get Jimmy Graham back to what he did in Seattle. Again, not super elite, but we know how to utilize. You know, we're watching film. McCarthy just messed up. He didn't know how to use these guys. I know how to use these guys. Maybe we don't even need. I mean, we do, but maybe it's not a super big priority at this time. And we'll just look at fourth, fifth round for a tight end and try to develop them. I don't know. Whatever. Point is offensive line is going to be important and I do think offensive tackle to eventually replace Brian Balaga whether it's this year or next year is also going to be important and, and it, the other good thing or not really good thing it's sad and unfortunate because I like Balaga but if we do get an offensive tackle that seems to pan out we can get rid of Brian Balaga maybe again not saying I want to do that because even depth and give the guy a year to develop whatever but gives us the opportunity to recoup a little bit of money and use that in free agency to go get blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Um, as far as our offensive uh, assistant offensive line coach, Jeff Blasco, he followed Campen over to Cleveland. I think that makes sense. You know, Campen was a very successful coach. And um, if, if Blasco kind of panned out, you know, it, it's mutually beneficial. Which, by the way, I can't help but think that Cleveland is just going to nosedive. I mean, we'll see what Freddie Kitchens can do. But how do you take a bunch of players and coaches that the Packers are dumping because essentially this isn't working these guys can't hack it so we're going to revitalize this by getting new fresh blood in here to try to fix our team and you're taking the bad that we're getting rid of and building a team out of it I don't know maybe it's a whole change of scenery thing and they'll be better once they're over there I don't know but it just it doesn't feel like the right strategy and if I was Kitchens I don't think I'd be too happy about it because you have to know that it's the ex-Packers, like the GM and Wolf and all these guys that are ex-Packers that know this coaching staff from the Packers going, yeah, we need to go get these guys. Because Kitchens isn't just going to, by chance, happen to like all the Packers guys. That doesn't make sense. And he has no connections to the Green Bay Packers. So you get the feeling he's being force-fed Packers that are all getting fired from Green Bay by a, you know this this good old boy Packers club and it's just turning into to Lambeau East and Kitchens is like the one outsider who's trying to do things differently but you got a bunch of old curmudgeon Packers who have a certain way of doing things ah, it just I don't know it doesn't feel good and if I'm a Browns fan I'm not super happy about any of that um looking at run game and pass game coordinator we got to see I don't know how Lafleur is going to set up his his offense whether or not he's going to have that as a title um you know, we, we still have to get an assistant offensive line coach, maybe a run game coordinator. I don't really know who that would be. I wouldn't think you'd want to give that responsibility to our new offensive line coach because that's kind of a big responsibility. Possibly our running backs coach could get that secondary title. 
I don't really see them bringing in an external person to oversee that as a whole, but maybe. Uh, same as the pass game coordinator, we have to get a uh, wide receivers coach, and I wouldn't expect... Although, you know what, that could be... If we really, really, really do want Luke Getze, that could be a way to get him on board is to say, we want you to come over as our wide receiver slash pass game coordinator because it's a little bit of a promotion and it'll help him work his way up. You know, from there, you can aspire to look to become a, a offensive coordinator somewhere. So maybe, but again, I don't know how this, this uh, coaching staff is going to be structured. Everybody does it a little bit different. Um, obviously defensive coordinator, we still have Mike Pettin. I'm pretty happy about that. I know a lot of people were pretty disappointed, but I, my general contention has been, I think the defense did look pretty good to start the season. They weren't perfect, but you know, considering the lack of talent, I thought they overperformed the number of sacks compared to the lack of talent at pass rusher. Um, the, the, the fact that we really weren't getting gashed deep. I mean, people could throw the ball a little bit, but we saw a lot of production from our corners and from our safeties. And it wasn't until things like we lost HaHa Clinton Dix and a bunch of other injuries and a bunch of other guys getting either cut or traded or whatever that things started to fall apart and all of a sudden it started to look like a Dom Capers defense again. It was that whole attrition situation. But we get a look, get some of these guys back, hopefully get some development, get some more people through free agency and or the draft. Obviously the draft is not an or, it's a definite. But uh, we'll see what happens from there. Uh, defensive line coach Jerry Montgomery is, you know, with camp and gone, he's probably my new favorite um, you know, assistant coach or whatever you call him. I've been singing his praises just about daily just because of the, again, the progress of not just guys like Kenny Clark, but guys like James Looney, a seventh round pick who is a rookie with no expectations is probably based on, and you know, small sample size, who knows, whatever, but you've got no help on the outside. You've got um, Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels are gone. So he's getting no help. It's not like, oh, you've got these studs next to you and so nobody's paying. No. You you, you and Montravius and Tyler Lancaster and Dean Lauer, you guys make up the defensive line right now. Everybody else is hurt. To have that guy step up and perform at a level that is better than certain starters on other teams is unbelievable. So yeah, Montgomery is definitely one of my favorite guys. And again, maybe it's just the players, maybe it's a fluke. We just got super either lucky or, you know, maybe Gutekunst is a defensive tackle whisperer in the draft. He can just pick it out, but I'm I'm more than happy to give credit to uh to Montgomery for the job he's done with the defensive lineman. Again, especially considering we don't have anybody at outside linebacker that can help. We didn't even have an outside linebacker coach, which maybe has something to do with exactly what happened. Again, you want to know why Nick Perry went from being a double-digit sack guy to one of the worst offense or outside linebackers in the NFL, and why Clay Matthews went from last year being a stud, at least against the run, to being complete trash, and we got nothing out of just about anybody with the exception of Kyler Fackrell, who was able to flash and get a bunch of sacks this year, because Winston Moss was their coach. And that guy's a little crazy, and the guy was disgruntled, and he didn't like being on the team, and he got angry, and he used all this different stuff, and then he got fired, and then they didn't have a coach anymore. So, so there's that. And actually, I, it, it's kind of interesting that I feel like that should be a very, very big job. I mean, if, if, if quarterback is the most important position, then your quarterback coach should be one of your most important, um, uh, not, not necessarily coordinator, but one of your ass- assistant coaches. I don't know if that's the right term for it. But then if pass rusher is your second biggest um, need, shouldn't you have an outside linebacker coach as your like one of your primary hires, I mean, I, maybe Pettin is putting a lot of effort into this, and he's working with Lafleur, and they're they're really trying to hammer this because they realize it's so important. But I don't know anybody talking about this, like how critically important it is that we get an outside linebacker coach that is a stud that can coach up. Maybe we keep Nick Perry because we still got him under contract. He's a first round pick. He has double digit sack potential. And boy, oh boy, do we need a guy like Perry, even at, you know, even if we assume his best is like, you know, upper, mediocre, kind of goodish. I will take that any day of the week at this point. But then to develop the guys that we have, Reggie Gilbert's got some talent in there somewhere. I know he's just sort of a preseason guy, but there's some talent in there somewhere. See if we can get some of that out. Kyler Fackrell, he's got some tools to work with. Let's see if we can get that up. Beyond that, though, we're going to be drafting guys. If we get a... Uh, a Cleland Furl or a Josh Allen, Ja'Kai Polite, Montez Sweat, whoever. If we get these guys, it's kind of critically important that somebody's there to coach them up. 
in my opinion, that's the most important position we have to fill right now because of how how much of a dire need that that is. You know, and if if we get a guy in the first round and then we only get one other guy and he's a fifth round guy, we need somebody to coach him up. Um, otherwise, inside linebackers coach Patrick Graham is officially out the door. I think this makes a massive amount of sense. Um, he was our inside linebackers coach slash run game coordinator, which kind of goes to what I was saying. It's kind of weird to bring somebody on and give him not only a a job of linebackers coach, but to make him your run game coordinator. But you look at the fact that this was a team that was expected to be number one in run defense, and we were horrible at stopping the run. Jake Ryan didn't play. Uh, Blake Martinez, though, if you look at it, his his ability to, to play in the pass, I mean, if you just look at his grade on pro football focus, it's consistent with last year. The problem is, however, his grade is only as good as it is because he did really good in coverage. His tackling grade, his run stopping grade was pathetic. He regressed massively. The the missed tackles by this team as a whole, the ability to stop a running back, tackle a running back, all it was it was horrible from the start, from the get go. Because again, that was my expectation. That was everybody's pro football focus. Wrote an article who are going to be the number one, you know, the the ranking all thirty two run defenses. Packers are number one, and why would you even doubt that? We were basically number. I think we were number two or three last year, and then we added what Muhammad Wilkerson. I mean, duh. Nick Perry's awesome against the run. Clay's great against the run. We got Muhammad Wilkerson, who's a stud against the run. Kenny Clark's a freak. Mike Daniels is a freak. You got Jake Ryan and Blake Martinez. Oh, my goodness. Nobody's going to get a yard all season. Well, Blake can't tackle anybody. Jake got hurt. Muhammad Wilkerson got hurt. Clay Matthews regressed back to nothing. Nick Perry basically fell asleep on the field. Mike Daniels regressed a little bit and then got hurt. Kenny Clark is a stud, but then he got hurt. It just, it was a nightmare. But, um, you know, if, if you look at guys like, and he, he was only on the team for a year, so he doesn't get any of this credit, but if you look at guys like Blake Martinez and Jake Ryan, their their rookie years were pretty terrible. They both took big jumps in their second year, and they both took really big jumps in their third year. We need a, a coach that can do that kind of development for the Packers, because if you look at a guy like Oren Burks and the potential he has to be a, a quality player for this team, people talk about maybe we need to get another inside linebacker, and maybe they're right. But if we can develop Oren Burks and we keep Jake Ryan, we don't need anybody else. We're fine. I mean, not top tier. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, people talk about uh, Devin White. That's a pretty transformative pick. But we're kind of set. But we need somebody that can come in and develop our inside linebackers. Primarily, you know, hey, this is how you tackle. Kind of important that you learn this. Blake, remember when you were really good at stuff? Now, he had, yes, he amasses a lot of tackles. I get that. He's out there a lot. He's the only one that's kind of can tackle because nobody else can tackle. So yeah, he gets a lot of tackle, but he missed a ton of tackles, and it's just it, it was it, just trust me, it was bad. If you didn't notice, just take my word for it. But uh, he was also the run game coordinator, so getting rid of him, I mean, if we retained him, I would just not be very happy because again, no growth from our inside linebackers. There were actually regression. We saw nothing out of our third round pick, Oren Burks, who we all had high hopes for. I think I had a little bit less than a lot of people, but uh, still. Very high hopes for him, and a lot of high hopes for our ability to stop the run, and we were terrible. So he needed to go, and we need to find somebody else that can come in and, and handle that business. And let's not make the new guy a run game coordinator. Okay, let's just focus on inside linebackers, because we got three of them. And if we get rid of Jake Ryan, we have two, and we really need some. We have more than two, obviously, Morrison and whatnot. But Blake Martinez and Oren Burks are my primary focus and should be the team's primary focus. Uh, Joe Witt's out. I'm pretty excited about it. I know a lot of people like him. He seems like a great guy. Gave good press conferences. But uh, again, as I've said a million times, the the amount of that we have invested in cornerbacks compared to the production is beyond unacceptable. And another critically important position, much more important than our linebackers coach, nearly as important, possibly even more important than our outside linebacker coach, because the amount of talent and the amount of potential, if we can get a great, you know, DB coach or cornerback coach. You know, again, forget pass game coordinator. Get somebody in here that's just going to focus on our cornerbacks and the amount of, the massive amount of talent that we have at cornerback. If we could just get them to play up to their potential, oh, I mean, th- th- again, just based on draft capital, there's no reason this can't be one of the best cornerback groups in the NFL. The amount of first and second round guys on this team is just ridiculous. So another, uh, another big hire there, um, Jason Simmons. 
who is our secondary coach. Seems like he's going to be staying, although we don't know exactly what he's going to be. Could he be our cornerback coach, our safety coach, our pass game coordinator? I'm not really sure of the situation there. Um, obviously, as I said, run and pass game coordinator. Not sure who's going to take that role. I'm assuming somebody will. I don't really know. And special teams coordinator. There have been a lot of rumors about that, but uh, nothing has been concrete. And um, obviously anything and everything will be an upgrade. But this is another situation. And it, it's just it's kind of frustrating going through this when you look at certain guys. I mean, the fact that we kept Ron Zook for so long, as bad as he was, the fact that we kept Joe Witt as long as we did, considering the lack of production, the amount of wasted years. Imagine if we had somebody on staff that could have developed Randall and Rollins. Maybe they're undevelopable. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it just was never going to happen. But I don't really believe that. I mean, obviously, it seems as though we could have put uh, Demarius at safety and he would have played at a pretty good level. But maybe he wouldn't. Maybe it's just because he went to the Browns and they have a better staff and he could have played corner over there pretty well. I don't know. But we've had a lot of players come in here and a lot of players go right back out the door that have never been anything because we just can't develop them. It's frustrating that we've spent so many years just plugging along with the same guys because McCarthy just didn't want to fire anybody. He didn't want to get rid of his people. That's, that's very upsetting. But anyways, that's it. We're going to leave her at that. Uh, you folks, enjoy your Saturday. Be sure to check out the East-West Shrine game if you can, if you have time, if you have NFL Network. I believe that's the channel it's on. This is episode 300, so again, anybody wants to jump on either PayPal, uh, Patreon, or Venmo, do the $3 donation. Would be very, very much appreciated. Otherwise, you folks, enjoy your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.